0: Welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection, looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields.
1: Welcome everyone on today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. We are going to talk about fiber. Wood fiber is a key ingredient in the global economy, an essential part of the structural framing industry in the US. But there are many factors that impact global supply and many competing demands for this renewable resource. Joining us today to talk about global wood fiber supply and what to expect in North America over the next few years is Russ Taylor, owner of Russ Taylor Global. Russ, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sean. Uh, Thanks for the invitation, and it's great to be here. It's great to have you here. You've been looking at the world's wood fiber basket for many years, but before we talk about you, I'm hoping that you can quickly define a few terms so that everybody listening to this podcast is on the same page. You gave a presentation at BCMCFS last week And I'm asking because afterwards, someone came to me and asked me what we mean when we say wood fiber. And of course, the easy answer there is, well, trees, but that's not completely accurate. I'm hoping, can you define what wood fiber is and what it is not when you're talking about it?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. And generically speaking, we I talk about the trees that that produce lumber. So typically, that's what we call a saw log or a veneer log that that produces lumber. But the saw logs uh, also produce uh, wood chips that goes into pulp sawdust that goes into particle board. And then there's also pulp wood, which is doesn't get sawn up. It goes directly to pulp mills, or it gets stranded into OSB mills, or it's ground up into sawdust sometimes for, for wood pellets. So it's a broad variety of products.
1: And, and maybe said another way too, it's not all the trees in the world. It's the merchantable timber. It's the trees that the logging industry can uh, access and can cut down and sell to a market for a profit, right? Because they're not going to do it if they can't make money. So there's lots of trees they're going to completely ignore.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, but even having said that, they sometimes don't make money from what they do log. So but it's exactly right. Typically, a forest, the highest value product is going to be a log for for a sawmill or for a veneer plant. And that's what they go after. And then the byproducts or the residuals are, are pulpwood, and then they, it, all the other fiber builds out from there. So for the
1: purposes of this podcast, when we're talking about wood fiber, we're really talking about the trees that the logging industry is cutting down and selling to one of those entities, most of which is going to be turned into sort of dimensional lumber for mills, through mills, to people like the, that are listening to this
0: podcast. That's correct.
1: Okay. So thanks for clearing that up. Let's talk about you for a second. Can you briefly mm-hmm. share your career in analyzing global wood fiber supply and why do you have such a good handle on what's going on?
0: Well, yeah, in a nutshell, I guess I've, I've been doing this uh, a long time and I started off as a forester and Worked as a lumber sales manager for eight years and then got into the consulting field. And uh, we started traveling into the Southern Hemisphere originally, some global, first global work that we did. And then about 25 years ago, we started doing some global sawmill benchmarking work that required us, tra- required me traveling around the world every, every couple of years to, to get more data. So I've, I look at, I've traveled to 12 regions in North America to collect that kind of information, three regions in Russia and then 15 other countries uh, around the world to collect uh, sawmilling and log data. And also I ran an office in China for 15 years too. So all of that gives me kind of a pretty good hands-on field work experience on what's actually going on in the field.
1: Great, okay. So let's hit some of the highlights from your presentation at BCMCFS last week. What are some of the major factors you see at play with regard to global wood fiber supply?
0: Well yeah so that's where I turn on my radio and I want to listen to earth wind and fire because that's kind of the kind of a theme I've had over a while where I, earth is now what I call beetles and insects and disease so it's beetles wind and fire have been kind of the big events that have occurred been occurring in the last 30 years and so so beetles in particular have decimated the BC forests since the 1990s, where production is half of what it was compared to 2005, and 50, more than 50 sawmills. The other mill closed last week, 51 mills closed since 2006, all to do with mainly wood supply from the Beatles, but now other government policies that are coming in because BC's 95% uh, government timber, and anyways, that's a whole other story altogether. That's the first real impact we saw in the North American wood supply. And now, carbon copy that over to Central Europe. We have a similar spruce bark beetle outbreak that's been going on since about the since about almost 20 years, or sorry, 10 years now. But more importantly, in the last five years, there's been a huge salvage program going on as the, uh, they try and salvage the, the timber. Pine t- takes about 10 to 15 years before it's not usable. Spruce is about one year. So they got to move very quickly. And so that's where they've been looking for alternative markets and so forth. But those are the the, the two um, areas in particular that I've seen huge changes within production, massive production in BC, and now half of the production. And in Europe, production is ramped up and that's going to slow down by the end of the decade. So we'll see a, a bit of a shortage of, of logs showing up in Europe uh, over time.
1: Excellent. So let's dive into that a little bit. So... With the beetle kill sort of having this major effect on two significant fiber baskets, how does that impact North American lumber supply?
0: In BC, it means less production. Obviously, that's what we've seen over the last five to seven years now less production. And in Europe, it means more production because they've got a surplus of logs. And so also, these logs get discounted in price at times, not always, but at times. And that's when the Europeans become very competitive in any market and their logs are a perfect fit for the US market so that's where, where we've seen a huge increase in in volume coming in from Europe europe is now 14% of uh of total US imports canada's uh, about uh 80 83% so collectively europe and uh, and, and canada it should be canada are about 97% of the imports so that's uh, that volume from Europe continues to come and uh, and also I should mention that US consumption has been steady for the last, you know, 6 or 7 years but production in North America has been declining over that time period meaning that the gap has been met by European imports and alternatively less exports uh, to markets like China, which has dried up. So we're seeing a bit of a the European volumes are plugging the gap in, in the U.S. market.
1: That makes it pretty significant. To put that in context, what Europe is going through right now is kind of what B.C. was doing from what, like 2006, six, seven through 10 or 11, right? Where they had to cut all those trees down to be able to make them merchantable to turn them into dimensional lumber because they only could basically survive... In the wild, after they died for a certain me- period of time, so they were trying to really cut all that stuff down and get it to market. Correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and the the bulge actually happened more in the two thousand to two thousand six period before the the housing market oh, right. collapsed. Yep. And and so that's exactly right. And, and they had that sort of reserve they could fall back on and, and salvage some of that wood. But uh, in Europe, like I say, it's a race. If you're a lot of those lot of private landowners, and once they see any signs of beetles near their forest. They want to liquidate it as fast as they can. And sometimes the beetle gets them pretty quickly and they have to just, they just want to get it off the ground because if they don't salvage the timber, they're left with a forest of dead trees and they cost the money then to go in and take the dead wood out for almost no value. And then they have to replant. So they want to get the the logs to a sawmill before it's too late. Mm -hmm.
1: So you said that's going to go on probably for the rest of this decade. What happens after that?
0: It's going to be a, a movie I've seen and, and, and witnessed here in BC where all of a sudden the wood supply gets tight the fiber gets tight and uh, the, there's not enough uh, logs for for sawmills now a big bulge of that of those logs are going to China all, all the excess are have been going to China uh, but those volumes are coming off now and I expect they will they will moderate more and more lower uh, as the uh, European industry, needs saw logs for their own mills. So what we're going to see is a kind of a, a, a fight for logs and that's therefore going to bid the price of, of uh, non-beetle logs up and uh, it's going to tighten up then the, their ability to export to the U.S. markets. So that will kind of play out more towards the end of the decade, but things can happen quicker or they could be delayed if, there's, if the beetles come back because the beetles are always, they're endemic to the forest. They're, they're always in the forest and you give them a hot summer and, and a dry winter, and they can come back with a vengeance. So they just keep looking for food until the food runs out. That's what happened in BC. They just ran out of food. There's no more pine trees left uh, in their areas.
1: It's a little bit of the Lorax
0: that's going on with the beetles. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's no tree.
1: Uh, and I, I think something should be said here. That, well, two questions. One is, so you said China's coming off, which is a significant demand for the European logs that are getting cut, does that prompt Europe to want to ship more logs to the U.S. market then?
0: Well, the the economics of exporting logs is a difficult business. It's expensive and so forth. So you have to have a, a good market opportunity. So the European logs, most of them, like I would say 95% of the export logs go to China. There are some logs going to India, I understand, and perhaps Well, maybe Southeast Asia, but the real sort of easy volume market is China. It's the same for other exporting regions. Like New Zealand is the biggest exporting region. And they export to 90% of their harvest goes, or 90% of their exports go to China. So it's kind of like it's China, or then you kind of look for smaller markets. India is a cheaper market. That's why they don't get as much uh, uh, volume. They They need a lower quality log. So that's a whole different business, but the log supply... In Europe, will basically run out, and and the sawmills won't have access to, to to a log supply unless they start to pay a higher price, and that'll that'll start to reduce uh, production as the wood supply just just disappears over time.
1: So the other piece of this that I want to get to is that just a reminder that while logs trees are a renewable resource, it's not like you can just turn the spigot on and make a bunch of them available. It takes a long time for these things to grow. So just like What you are experienced in B.C., the rate at which we can harvest trees because of the massive cut that was done and how long it takes for these trees to regrow, there's a a real cap on how much can get cut every year in B.C. And that's going to last for, what, 20, 30 more years, correct?
0: Uh, Probably more, probably 50, 60 years, because it takes 80 to 100 years to grow a tree for harvesting in, in British Columbia, And so what that means is you got to wait until that those trees are are ready for harvesting. And so with a lot of the beetle wood behind us, you can probably say it's another 50 or 60 years before we'll get back to the harvest level we had in 2000, let's say. So it's a long time uh, for those trees to come back.
1: And so is it safe to make a similar assumption with Europe? If they're going through this right now, we're going to see decreased production in Europe for a long period of time after the end of this decade.
0: Yes, that, that's right. And the other thing, too, is the, government, the governments in Europe realize now when you have a, a monoculture, like a single species, what it can do, to, what insects can do to, to your forest. So they're now recommending that they don't plant, replant monocultures. You don't just plant spruce or you don't plant pine, you do know, a mixed forest. And they want to include a lot more hardwoods. So when Europe comes back from the beetle and after it's 60 or 80 years, there's going to be a lot less softwood logs available uh, to, the, to, to a lot of the countries. So that's a big change. It's all about climate change. Climate change is going to uh, dramatically change uh, the industry you know, over the next you know, 50 years. And they're already making plans for that in Europe to, to kind of counteract that so that uh, they have a healthier forest 60 to 80 years from now. So that's quite interesting.
1: Well, it's interesting to be talking about things that are going to impact generations from now, but let's focus on the short term then, the real short term. Yeah. When you look at everything that's going on there then with Europe, you said there's five baskets, right? There's Europe, the United States and Canada, China, where else?
0: And uh, Europe and Russia. Yeah. Europe and Russia. Okay. Yeah.
1: So if you look at that, the, the dynamics are going on right now over the next few years, what are the major challenges that are going to be facing lumber purchasers here in North America.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's like I work on the supply side of things. There's a million reports out, it seems, uh, every week on the demand, on the housing market, on the economy, and this sort of thing. But there's almost no reports out on the supply side. That's where I will up my sleeves and start digging around. And as I look at kind of the, the global, the short-term issues for, say, for lumber supply, well, B.C.'s still going down. There's going to be uh, B.C.'s bring exports to the U.S. are off almost 20%. Uh, year to date. And so we're, we're getting close to the bottom, but lower volumes from BC, steady volumes from the rest of Canada, steady volumes from the U.S. West. It's, it's just the U.S. South. It's the big wood basket left. And there, that's where all the mills have been built or mills have been expanded. And so that's where the domestic sp- supply is going to come from. And so it does mean there's going to be more Southern Yellow Pine coming and lots of it and less SPFs, especially out of BC and then steady volumes of Douglas fir, hemlock from the west and then the only other play left that for i guess now is imports and that's where the european volumes come in because they're they have the spruce in particular some pine as well and they have got incremental supply now and and lower costs with their beetlewood so they can come into the u.s mainly the east coast and the gulf region so that means the sun pine guys are are being, getting inundated with all this european wood they've got to move their wood more to the the Western part of their markets. And that's what we're going to see is a bit of a shift of the su- more Southern Yellow Pine into the West, for example, maybe even into Canada and for certain applications like treated wood and, and that's been going on already. So we're going to see this shift of supply just in in North America because of the shortages in BC and the surpluses of Southern Yellow Pine in the South and, and then with the European wood coming in.
1: So. The last question is just sort of like the known unknowns. If, for example, you said China's coming off, but if China decides to prop up housing or suddenly its demand curve goes in the opposite direction and suddenly it wants a lot of fiber uh, quickly, how does something like that impact North American lumber supply?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question because it is China, when they pivot or when things pivot or when things start to move, the markets get uh, impacted quite quickly, it seems. But uh, right now, the China, the after all the lockdowns from COVID, the consumers are spooked. The housing market is is correcting, not collapsing, but correcting. There's an oversupply of, of homes, and how that market works is quite complicated. It won't get into it. That's a webinar into its own or a podcast into its own. But but the government's working away trying to get trying to create some minor stimulus. It hasn't worked yet, but they will have to get the economy going pretty soon and and if that involves wood products which it probably will to some degree then china starts to buy and they prefer logs over lumber but they'll they play one against the other and often the log supply is can get tight and then gets expensive so they'll start looking for sources of lumber and then everyone around the world starts selling to china and of course when you've got more wood leaving the North American market, that tightens up the wood supply and you can start raising prices in, in the U.S. And that's the cycle we saw starting in about 2010 after the housing market collapsed when China started to buy. It started to help buoy the market higher and and created some surges here and there along the way. And and so I, I think that with the China, it probably isn't going to make a big impact, I don't think, in the next six months. I'm going over there next month to have a look, but my sense is it's probably not going to... Uh, break out of its doldrums for some time, but that just means the rest of the market in North America is going to have to be watching China to see if there is going to be a pickup in demand, because if there is, that could tighten up the wood supply and push prices a bit higher for a while, because the Chinese buy until the prices get too high, then they back off and wait to see who will offer them a cheaper price. So it's kind of a a game that gets played over and over.
1: That's a nice place to be when you can play in the market with that much strength, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, Russ, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
0: Well, my pleasure, Sean. Great to be involved and also great to see uh, the uh, SBCA show last week. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, it was great to have you there. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This has
0: been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.